welcome to The Far Shore. Uh, I'm James. And I'm Andy. It's nice to have you guys. Yeah, we're here for the first time. I have to say, I, I told Andy just a few minutes ago that I'm a little bit nervous about my first podcast experience. Uh, <laughs> how are you feeling about it, Andy? I'm good, man. Um, yeah, it's just we're just chatting like old That's friends. Right. That's right. Uh, the only difference is we have to actually chat in an engaging and interesting manner. So, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, I can tell that's a challenge for you, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we will, we will get that. I mean, you've had radio experience. You've been interviewed on radio before. So you have like one step ahead of me. We have, we both have the faces for radio, don't we? So that's, that's good. Right. Yeah. We do. We do. <laughs> you know, Andy, it's funny you talking about having the faces for radio. So, um, Obviously, we have some listeners that know both of us, and we have some listeners mm -hmm. that don't know us at all. Um, we met back in university or college um, a long time ago, back in 2005, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and anyway, I was looking back at some pictures uh, oh, no. from that time, and um, obviously, we want to be a hard-hitting podcast here, asking difficult questions and wrestling with, you know, the difficult issues of life. Anyway, I was looking at this picture that that you have flashed up on a screen many times when you've been over here in the States doing a presentation. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know if you know the one I'm talking about. You have your arm around me. Oh, yeah. Usually. That always happens. Yeah. We don't look, <laughs> we don't look any different. You know, we no. still look that, that slender and that handsome. Yeah. But what I was drawn to was, was your hair. Um, oh, yeah. So I have a question for you. And we should throw this picture up on our Instagram account, too, and, and let people weigh in. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I was wondering, did you... Did you perm your hair back then? And did you did you frost the tips of your hair back then? <laughs> no, I I shouldn't let on my 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 brilliant hair keeping skills. But I do remember at university in I think it was first or second year. I think there was a few of us. We went through a phase of of straightening our hair. I don't know if you remember that, James. You never had enough hair to straighten. I think I never did. No, I went for the kind of shaved yeah. shaved head look. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some some of our friends, Paul Coleman, uh, who who had an unhealthy obsession with straightening hair, um, and I think I also used to dye it. Uh, so yeah, perhaps we shouldn't put that photo up. Um, oh, so it was dyed. Okay, I think so it was. I, <laughs> there was something about it that just stood out as uh, as bright and blonde. So <laughs> so anyway, so I I guess we should kind of introduce ourselves, tell people mm -hmm. kind of who we are, um, what we do. Um, so do you want to, want to kick us off? Who, who are you, Andy? Who yeah, are you? <laughs> that's, I think that's one of the questions we're going to be asking throughout these series of the podcast, the big, who are we? What are we here for? Um, well, my name's Andy. Um, I'm originally from the UK and I think it's important, uh, James, that we tell our listeners that, um, this is a kind of, we'll have a mix of UK, Brazil and US listeners, and James has his American twang because he has been in the States for a while. And so so we'll be a, a big mixing pool of, <laughs> of American and British culture. Um, but yes, I'm originally from uh, York in the UK. Um, I've been in Brazil now. Um, actually, today, as we're recording, is my 17-year anniversary of coming to Brazil. Wow. The very first wow. time. But it's like was... we planned it. It's like we planned it, but we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> but we didn't. Yeah. So 17 years today, I arrived in Brazil for the first time as a 18-year-old, um, going on a six-month mission trip. Um, but I've lived in Brazil full-time since 2008, so that'd be 13 years. I work for the Church Mission Society as a missionary, and along with Rosie, my my Brazilian wife. Actually, as a side note, Rosie hates it when I call her my Brazilian wife because she thinks I have yeah. wives of other nationalities. <laughs> I got in trouble the other day for calling my wife my doctor wife. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so Rosie and I, we, we founded an organization called Revive and we've worked uh, for quite a few years now. Uh, with children, um, mainly with girls who have been sexually and physically abused. We run um, a couple of safe houses, uh, dabbling in fostering and adoption, and hopefully expanding into lots of other exciting areas, such as community development and things like that. Nice. So who, Thanks, who are you, James? 
I know. Well, you've really set me up poorly here because, you know, if, if I was tuning into this podcast, I'm like, this this guy sounds very well accomplished here. So so who's, who's this other guy? So well, I, uh, I, I should also slip yeah. in that I, I have an MBE as well. So uh, Oh, so yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I know. I know. I know. You're, you're fully you're fully uh, throwing the throwing the letters around. Yeah. So Correct me. Uh, that's right. Um, you have to speak to me uh, properly, please. Use my full Sorry. title. Your full title is that is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing? So, um, yeah, I know. Talking about titles, yeah, it's funny. I I have my own title, Andy. I was going to say, though, yeah. I've set you up there. Go on, I've set you up. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go for it. Go on, tell us about how you well, got I grew up. Oh, jeez, I grew up in uh, in the UK too. I grew up in a little town called Northwich. Um, went to university up in Newcastle, uh, which is where Andy and I met for the first time. Um, so I stayed as a perpetual student for a long, long time, um, completing my PhD in engineering. Uh, I ended up out in East Africa for a project out in Tanzania, which is where I met my wife and uh, Megan. And we ended up uh, in, well, via North Carolina, New Mexico, and now we are in California on the West Coast of the United States. Um, so I... And he contacted me, I think, back in 2015 um, about yeah. getting Revive USA set up just to help some of our U.S. supporters uh, be able to support the work of Revive. Mm. Um, and I myself right now, uh, if we're defined by what we do, uh, I am <laughs> a, a stay-at-home dad. So I am uh, currently, especially this year of craziness, I am yeah. currently a homeschool teacher uh, teaching my kids, uh, which has its good moments and, and bad moments. Um but yeah, but that's that's kind of what I do, and and I don't have an MBE, so the <laughs> but and you, Andy, but you are a doctor. Are, I am a doctor, but just um, don't just don't go to you for medical purposes. <laughs> no, no medical purposes. Just just uh, water in developing countries purposes. Yeah, yeah. Not not even not even you know useful plumbing or anything like that. Just uh, <laughs> just you know. Give, give me a clay pot and I can, you know, take out the bacteria out of your water. That's about it. So uh, <laughs> important, an important skill to have when we talk well, about the past. Yeah. And, and Andy, you, you threw around MBE, but I know that for those listeners that aren't from, uh, mm. from the UK, uh, we'll have no idea what an MBE is because uh, yeah. I was just about to throw a joke out there about the uh, the Queen not awarding me an MBE for being a stay at home dad uh, when I realised that that people don't even know what an MBE is. So no. do, do you want to try and explain? Because I've had a tough time, I'll be honest, explaining to some Americans what an MBE is <laughs> and, and what what it affords you, if anything. So yeah, so for our American friends. Um, I am and basically Brazilian friends. I take it too. Oh, I'm Brazilian. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> basically, I am. I I am now in line to the crown uh, of the British. <laughs> um, not really at all. No, it is. Um, it is an order of chivalry. 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 I don't even know what that means. Um, chivalry. I don't even know what I don't know what it means. It it's it is awarded and there's lots of different ones. You have an MBE, an OBE, a CBE, and then a knighthood, which I'm sure our American friends would have heard, when you can call yourself sir. Um, and these are usually given out uh, to people who have um, excelled in their particular area and so sports people uh, receive it quite often actors as well uh, but then also people who work in the charity sector and nonprofits. Um, and so so yeah so i was very lucky and honored to be awarded an mbe for the work that we've done out in brazil uh, with children what does it mean it means i can just put mbe after my name which in the uk in certain circles means something um, but in other circles, doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> but it is. It's. Um, it is a great. It's. It adds legitimacy and credibility to the work that Revive's been doing, and it's obviously a big reflection on the work of the team over the past few years. So it's a great honour and a privilege. Uh, but yeah, it's. It is. It is difficult to explain it to people. Although, um, the Brazilians get very excited because they like the Netflix series The Crown. 
And so if anything now to do with meeting the queen and going to one of the palaces means a lot. Um, so they're not too fussed about the MBE, but they do get very excited when I say, well, actually, I need to go to Buckingham Palace and see one of the royal family and get a medal. Yeah. Very, very exciting, Andy. Yeah. Very exciting. So there we go. So what we've learned from that is that Andy is a lot more exciting than I am. But there we go. I get to ask the questions. So that's that's what <laughs> that's what matters. That's what matters. So um, introduced who we are uh, and hopefully is, you know, we go through the series, people get to know us a little bit better uh, and some of the things we're passionate about and what we do. Uh, but maybe next big question is what what is this podcast? Why are we jumping on uh, the podcast bandwagon probably about 15 years too late? Um, so <laughs> what is, you know, what, what is this podcast about? Um, what is, what are we trying to aim to do with this podcast? Um, and maybe first we should kind of tackle the name Call to the Far Shore. Mm. Um, so wh where does this concept coming come from, Andy? And, and kind of what, what are we going to be uh, talking about? Yeah, well, we would, we've been chatting for a while, haven't we, James, about trying to set up a, a podcast as a way of of just bettering our communication, um, not just from Revive, but just having an outlet to, to talk <laughs> and chat things about mission and theology and everything that comes, uh, comes around that. We kind of settled on Call to the Far Shore because... We will get into all of this, obviously, but but the world of mission is is changing, and it's changed a lot over over the years. Um, obviously, called to the far shore is it could be a geographical thing of being crossing lakes and oceans uh, to to go and be missionaries in on the other side of the world, and that's what traditional mission was was like. But mission is 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 changing a lot. Funny, I remember when you first taught me this concept, uh, you were talking about the, um, uh, you know, one of the stories in Mark um, where Jesus takes his uh, disciples um, across the lake um, and they get to the other side of the lake and they have this very uncomfortable encounter uh, with a demon possessed man. Um, and it, it, yeah, and the disciples end up pretty freaked out by what happens and the the demon-possessed man is healed, a bunch of pigs end up in the lake, uh, and the people in the area are absolutely terrified about what's going on, and they send uh, Jesus and his disciples away. But the man that they healed, uh, he asked to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you know what, I want you to go and talk to um, the people that hear um, and tell them about what Jesus has done for you. Um, and it's funny, actually, after we had this conversation with my kids, uh, and we should have mentioned when we talk about who we are, by the way, we both have two kids roughly about the same age. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I know that obviously if our kids ever listen to this, they'll be like, Dad, what's going on? Wasn't that important? Anyway, I was uh, having some Bible reading time. And actually, that was the passage we were reading the other night, too. Uh, really? And we kind of talking. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of talked about that idea. And I think for me, you know, just thinking about that, as you already said, you know, it's not necessarily about the far shore being a distance. Um, but it is about that idea of being called and being sent uh, on mission. And sometimes, uh, especially that story really pitches the idea of being called or being sent to a very uncomfortable uh, and difficult uh, situation. Mm. Um, but then also this the simplicity, too, of, of Jesus just telling this man, hey, just go back to your family and friends and tell tell them what I've done. Yeah, that, that whole idea of, of crossing the lake. Um for me, it is first of all. It talks about how mission has to be um, has to be pioneering. Um, Jesus and his disciples they went to a place that no one had been to before. Uh, Jesus was breaking a lot of cultural and religious connotations at the time. Um, the Jews they thought that Jesus was the Messiah just for their nation, uh, just for them. And Jesus was showing them that actually his mission was was much further and much greater than than just what they thought, and it also included the Gentiles, and said that that was very very um, very very important. Um, and so yes, and so like you said, you know, crossing. So I would suggest now about mission has changed a lot, and it's all about trying to to cross the lake to the far shore, and that could be a geographical, but it's also about thinking about where the church hasn't reached, 
where are the fringes of society or who are the people where the church hasn't reached yet? What are the lakes? What are the, 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 the boundaries that we need to cross? Um, you know, missionaries are people who are sent and it's usually sent to a different country, but we can also be missionaries sent across class boundaries, across religious boundaries. What are those 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 lakes that need to be crossed so that we can reach the people who currently haven't been reached by the traditional traditional church? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's I think that's good, too. And, you know, I'd, I'd add to that, I think, you know, my view as well is that we're, we're all missionaries too. I think it's getting away from that that traditional view that a missionary is someone that that goes away from the area they really live in. Um, yeah. You know, like you would be the traditional missionary, you left the UK, you went to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that, that concept is uh, is being uh, all people that follow uh, follow Jesus are, are called to be called to be uh, missionaries and, and called to be on mission too. I think it's important for us to kind of define uh, as well, a couple of terms as we talk about it. I think it's very comfortable for you and I to throw around words like mission mm-hmm. uh, and discipleship. Um, so I, let's let me tell you what I think when I think of those two words, and then you can come back and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I will be making notes. So, well, well, you know, you you actually have the the deeper theology degree. I I just you know I just have a certificate. I think you have a you have a bachelor's, right? A master's, a but master's, not, exactly. not just in theology. <laughs> <laughs> so I think when I, um, so when I think of these kind of two terms, so when I think of mission, I, I think of uh, the mission that kind of Jesus gave um, before he he left. So this was in you know Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus kind of for all time says, therefore go and make all disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded mm-hmm. uh, you. And um, so that's kind of uh, the mission. So for me, when I think about mission, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about making disciples. Yeah. So then that leads to a definition of what do I think a, a disciple is. Uh, and for me, I think a disciple is um, someone that is um, becoming more like Christ with a Christ-like purpose. So I think back to uh, when Jesus called uh, the first disciples, he said to them, come and I will make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, that kind of paints the picture of a disciple, which is like a disciple is someone that's called by Jesus to follow him, like uh, to, to act like him, to be like him. And he gives them a purpose, which is to make more disciples. Yeah. Um, so that that for me is kind of, very simply and very quickly uh, kind of defining those terms. I think, I think what, what I think is a big difference to me is that that process of being a disciple is a continual one. It's yeah. not, it's not, I think I grew up in the, the eighties where this idea was we make a decision to follow Jesus. That's it. Yeah. Ticket punched into heaven. Um, this, this concept of, this continual process of of being a disciple, of becoming more Christ-like over time, over our lifetimes, mm. uh, I think was was a concept that probably I didn't really fully understand until I was in my adulthood. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So that's kind of kind of um, obviously we'll, we'll we can unpack these more, but that's kind of simply mm. how I view it. So what about you, Andy? So so yeah, thinking first about about mission. Um, I think if if we want to get involved in God's mission, in Jesus, you know, in, in, in the mission that Jesus has, then we need to think a little bit about how Jesus described his own mission. What did he come to do? And obviously, you've mentioned the Great Commission, which is which is really, really important part of that. Uh, but I would also add in, uh, I think it's Luke chapter four, where Jesus stands up in the synagogue in, in, in Nazareth. And he kinds of kind of gives his own manifesto. What has he come to do? And he stands up in uh, in 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 the in the synagogue, and he kind of gives out his mission statement. And um, this is a very famous part. I'll just read it quickly. It says he says, uh, "The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free." to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And then he rolls up the scroll and sits down and everyone's in silence because they really understood what he meant. And we just gloss over it because we've read that passage in the Bible so often. And it's interesting because Jesus, he says that he has come, he has come to preach the good news. And all the evangelicals will say, yay, that's exactly what we do, right? Because mission is proclamation. That is what we do. We want to get people into heaven and out of hell. And we want to proclaim the good news of Jesus's death and resurrection. And Jesus's mission was definitely that, involves proclamation. But it's interesting that Luke says that Jesus said that he's come to proclaim the good news to who? To the poor, uh, uh, Jesus answered. So suddenly we have the poor coming in as 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 very a special category of Jesus's mission is the poor. And then he goes on to say that his mission is not just about proclamation, uh, but it's also about proclaiming freedom uh, for sinners. To, to to bind up the brokenhearted, to 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 give recovery of sight to the blind. Uh, so suddenly you have this whole kind of holistic nature of mission. Jesus's mission is about proclamation, but also about all of these other things. And then suddenly the big big thing, which I think caused um, most people to want to kill him, uh, just after he'd read this uh, read this uh, passage was about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. Now this, we can do a whole series of podcasts on because it's really, really interesting because the year of the Lord's favour is all about the Jubilee. This is the Jubilee of Deuteronomy, I think, or Leviticus, where every 50 years or so, Israel was supposed to cancel debts. It was supposed to um, to free them land back to its rightful owners. Um, and it was a kind of big reset button that Israel should have pressed every 50 years to keep poverty at bay. Um, and the scholars think that actually Israel never did Jubilee at all. <laughs> it was there, but they never actually did it at all. Um, and I can just think of myself that if you were in that synagogue then and you were a poor person, you perhaps were a slave, you had debts, and then suddenly Jesus, this guy suddenly stands up and says, Jubilee is here and it's arrived in me, then that really is good news, that your debts will be cancelled, that you'll be set free. So, so we will get into that, I'm sure, over the weeks and months to come. Um, but I would say mission is, it is holistic, it is proclamation, mm -hmm. and it is also a lot of social action as well, which cannot be separated from, from the main message of, of Jesus. So that is of that. Good news, yeah. Yeah, and then the decision. Yeah, and I'd say no. I'm not going to say. I think. I think as you as you're talking there, I I also think that there is, there isn't those. I think if people listen there, they'd say, oh, are Andy and James's description is really different, and and I don't think so because no. I think when I you are unpacking what I think it means to to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a disciple of someone is to become more like them, to mm -hmm. uh, to copy them. Um, so, you know, so if if I'm a disciple of Jesus, if I'm becoming more like him, uh, then then my heart should be turned towards justice. It should be mm. turned towards uh, helping the poor. It should be turned towards uh, addressing those uh, issues that we see um, in our own communities and across the world, which are, are not part of uh, what you imagine uh, God's kingdom to look like, too. So exactly. yeah, I think it's just two ways of 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 looking at, I think it's just unpacking. I mean, you're mm. going to say about discipleship too, but for me, that's kind of like unpacking that idea of, of, yeah. of discipleship too, is, is yeah. meeting people, meeting people where they're at. It's, it's living life on life together. Yeah. Um, and that, that can only happen holistically. If yeah. I really want to, if I want to make a disciple, uh, if I want to introduce someone to, to Jesus, um, and Jesus, the way Jesus is going to do that is going to be through me. Um, mm. If I'm not going to address a person's issues holistically, uh, then then what what change does it bring to their life? So, you know, so I can go to someone and I can say, hey, I've got some great news for you. Um, Jesus died for you. Um, 
if you uh, ask for forgiveness, then you uh, get to go to heaven. It's a very like, and they might be like, well, that's great. But right now I am struggling with X, Y, and Z and be like, well, this is so, yeah, it's that holistic thing where it's like, no, I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both at the same time. I'm going to proclaim the gospel. I'm going to tell you about Jesus, but then I'm also going to act like Jesus too, Mm -hmm. to that person. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's It's good. Brilliant. We've got so much that we're going to unpack over these. <laughs> There's so much more to be said. I know. I know. Our, our mums, our mums, who are going to be our own listeners, are going to Lovely. love this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Well, let's um, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about revive. Um, let's uh, talk about kind of your involvement with that. You know, one of the things we're hoping to do is is um, kind of interview and, and talk with different people who are involved with uh, different organizations and, and different ways of, of carrying out mission um, to people. So let's start with you, Andy. So, um, <laughs> so Revive, you said um, that, you know, this was an anniversary today, but I know that kind of your Revive, how did it start? Like, what was the I mean, why Brazil? What motivates you to go to Brazil in the first place? Mm. And, and yeah, why why yeah. there? Well, I wish I had really holy motives to come to Brazil um, the first time. But 17 years ago, I came to Brazil because I wanted to play football on the streets <laughs> in my bare feet. <laughs> and that football means soccer to our uh, American friends. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, my, my motives perhaps for coming weren't that holy or profound. Um, but... I just, at that time, I was obviously a young Christian guy, and that was what you did when you finished uh, school, before you go to college, university, you take a bit of time out and go and do missions somewhere. Yeah, I I did something similar. I I took my 12 months off to to Kenya, so yeah. yeah. And I was obviously more holy because I went for 12 months, you only went for six months. I, 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 I just learned I just learned quicker and God was able to right? work with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but no, that first, you know, six months and I think perhaps we're going to talk more in a later podcast about short term missions. Um, but that was, oh, my word, what a profound change that God did in those six months. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've described it before as 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 I'm sure you remember, James, back at school in the UK, uh, we'd have tuning forks. And if people don't understand what tuning forks are, they were like kind of these basically just like a, a bit of metal, which you used to smack on the end of your desk and it would vibrate and would make a sound because it's got frequency. Or if you're able to to sing at a certain pitch, you can smash a wine glass because you've hit its, its inbuilt frequency. Well, during those six months, I was working with street kids. And I remember once I was playing dominoes with a street kid uh, just on the side of the road. And suddenly I felt as if my life had started to vibrate, as if just like that tuning fork or the wine glass just is about to smash. Some Something had suddenly hit that perhaps inbuilt God-given frequency for my life. And I thought, oh, goodness me, something's happening here. Perhaps God is telling me something about why I was made, created, all that kind of cheesy stuff. Um, So fast forward a few years through university, I wanted to get back to Brazil. Um, I'd also met a certain lady, a young lady by then, Um, but the motives were truly holy about coming back to (laughs) to Brazil. She, uh, Rosie, was was an added bonus. Um, And and, and yeah, so came back um, working with uh, street boys at the time, um, and through that organization and over the years, we came across lots of girls as well who were in similar situations. And I've told this story quite a few times, but I'll tell it again because I'm sure there's some people who haven't heard about it. Um, we met uh, these three sisters and these three sisters, they were very young. They were eight, 10 and 12. And um, they were slightly different because they weren't living on the streets where you can easily get sexually abused and exploited. Uh, they were living at home and actually living in a nice area of town, not even on a slum or a shantytown. Um, but yet these girls were being sold for for sex every single night. And people would go around to these men would go around to their home. And the person who was selling them was their own mum. 
And suddenly you had this awful situation of this of the mum pimping out basically her own kids. And the 12-year-old, the oldest, told us how a few weeks previously she'd been kidnapped by one of the guys who'd been abusing her and kept tied up in his bedroom uh, for a few weeks. And you don't even want to think about the kind of stuff that she must have gone through mm-hmm. uh, during those weeks. But, um, but she told us how she eventually managed to escape and she escaped back home. Now, the Hollywood movie would, would finish there because home is a place of safety. Right. That's the end, happy ending to any story is when you manage to get back home. But this girl, she went back to a home where her own mum sold her for sex. And so we obviously wanted to do something to help these uh, girls. And um, we were working with some boys homes at the time. And it was then that we realized that in the city of Orlinda, where we live in Brazil, there were many homes for boys, but there were none for girls at the time. And it was absolutely not. Do, do you know why? Why? Why is that? Do you know why that was the case? Why? Why was the issue of kind of boys being addressed, but not the issue of girls? Is that? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few reasons. Obviously, there there were more boys, you know, mm-hmm. involved in gangs or in vulnerable situations, and so you know, there's a question of quantity. So you know, they would work with them. Um, uh, but also it's uh, sexism as well, underlying sexism, um, that uh, whoever, you know, they think that boys are more important to kind of rescue and and, and develop rather than than than, than girls. Um, mm-hmm. So so that was one of what that was a few of the reasons. Um, and then the the Popeye moment happened. And like, again, we can get in more into about the Popeye moment, but, but like, there used to be a cartoon in the UK a long time ago. I don't know what it was like in America. I think uh, I think it was in the States. I think it's actually an American cartoon. It probably is, actually. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's an American yeah. cartoon. That right. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. We can talk about it. So, yeah, it's Popeye the Sailor Man. And if you remember, every single week in Popeye, uh, his girlfriend, Olive Oil, would get into trouble. Um, and he would spend the whole episode getting more and more frustrated and angry and worked up until there'd be the time where he'd say, I just can't take it anymore. And he'd crack open some spinach, become really strong and save his girlfriend. (laughs) That was basically every single week. That was the the cartoon. Um, And so like the Popeye moment, it's kind of like, you know, what is God stirring up inside of you? When you look around your community life, you know, what are the injustices or what is it that just doesn't sit right with you. And perhaps God is stirring up some kind of something inside of you. And then when it, you just can't take it anymore and you just can't keep it inside and you have to get into action, well, that's the Popeye moment. And so for many years, God had been stirring up the kind of issue of, of vulnerable kids and especially girls and the kind of extra vulnerabilities that they face. And then it was meeting these three sisters, which is like God said, right, you guys need to get into action and, and do something. And so that's when Revive started and we set up the first home in 2014. Uh, we met these three sisters back in 2010, 2011. Uh, so it took us a few years, uh, but then finally the first home was opened. And since then we've had more than 60 girls have come through Revive stores where we uh, look after them, restore their lives and renew their hope for a better future. But the, the sad ending to that story is that we never actually found those three sisters again. Mm. So those sisters yeah. who set us on the trajectory to set up Revive, uh, we never found again. But at least yeah. now in the city, uh, there are homes for girls yeah. uh, just like they. Sure. And I, I know. And I think it's, you know, sometimes we just have to recognize the the brokenness of this world, too. I mean, like you said before, not everything has a Hollywood ending. And yeah. I think that's why we... I know we long for God to end the, the brokenness that's in this world mm-hmm. too. And I, and I know that, you know, even though it's great that Revive has seen uh, 60 girls, did you say? Yeah, or well, more yeah, than 60. More than 60 now. But it's seen, you know, that many girls helped. For that many girls that it's helped, there's that many girls that in the whole of Brazil who mm-hmm. are um, not so fortunate to yeah. have... Uh, been been helped by um by brazil yeah. uh, by by revive so um and again it's it's one of those things i think you know where it's it can be really overwhelming when we look at injustice yeah. and it can be really overwhelming to be like there is so much and i think 
the fact that we take some action, the fact that we do something, the fact that we impact people that we can in whatever our sphere of influence is. Um, And then we just have to, to, to trust God um, in the rest too. To, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but it but it's yeah. it's it's tough i you know i can you know just when you hear the stories and i've you know heard lots of stories over the years of some of the girls you've helped and some of the girls mm-hmm. you've been unable to help too um mm-hmm. and it, and it is heartbreaking when when there isn't the hollywood ending so yeah. yeah um can you tell us a little bit about um how revive works because i know it's it's not just you i i know mm-hmm. there's a whole team there so so how does how does revive how does Revive work? Um, yeah, and kind of day to day. Maybe just give us a little kind of insight into into to how it how it works and what it does. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, over the years, Revive's grown, and we have perhaps now we have a staff team of about thirty empl- paid employees on on the staff team, and they are all local Brazilians. And and this is also another great area of Revive's work because um, the vast majority of those employees. Um, they come from members of the local church and members of, of local communities who are usually quite poor communities, and they've never really had the the chance or opportunity to to kind of make their way in in the workplace. And so many of the people, it's their first job at Revive, and and jobs transform lives. Um, and so it's been really good to see not just the girls and the kids that Revive works with, whose lives have been transformed. Uh, but also even our our team, their lives have been transformed through actually having having a job and 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 having this ministry and to see them developing as well um, is a real been a real pleasure. Um, so we, like I said, we have about thirty paid staff and also we've got another handful of volunteers. And these volunteers are usually UK uh, or foreign missionaries uh, who are also on 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 the team. Uh, we have uh, the the coordination team, so the the Holy Trinity of Revive is Elise, uh, Grasa, and Gordu, uh, who are some great people, and they're the kind of they're the ones that keep everything everything running. And then we have a whole load of educators uh, who are the people who look after the kids uh, day in day out. And then we've got a technical team of psychologists and social workers uh, as well who work uh, as well for us. So it's it's a great team and uh, spanning lots of different. Uh, uh, disciplinaries, disciplines, disciplines, or areas of work. Yeah, I can't remember. No, it's okay. That's another thing for my mum to write in about. Is is you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's 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 when the it's when the Portuguese word comes to my head first, and then I oh, kind of forget what the English word. <laughs> A multidisciplinary team, anyway, of, of of various people, and they're the ones who do do all the work. Um, you know, over the years, this is the thing of being a pioneer and and of being a missionary is that when it's just you, you do everything. And so, you know, you're the accountant, you're the psychologist, you're the the, the manager, and 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 as you build something, you build yourself out of it, and you get you know local people to uh, to to do to do the work. And that is uh, goes back to what we we're talking about. Uh, mission mission has to be has to be about training up local people. And especially if you're a foreigner like I am, mm-hmm. you don't want to create an organization which is dependent on on you. You need to yeah. be uh, investing in, in local people. So like now, I, you know, I don't do, I don't do any of the work, actually the, the, the real work with the kids. You know, I'm all having to worry about, um, you know, resourcing and looking after our team and enabling them to do the work and then thinking strategically and all this other kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like uh, uh, what Revive uh, is now. And Revive, you know, has now grown. So it's, it's now two, uh, two uh, children's homes. And then, like I said, you know, branching out into fostering as well um, with a team doing that and also with uh, transformational development and communities through the local church. And so the team is growing, as is the work, which is really good. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a great picture of discipleship, what you just said, too. Mm. Like, uh, basically, you are discipling your way out of a job. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's that's kind of what it means to disciple make. I think sometimes we think of disciple making as, you know, we're constantly being the teacher or constantly mm. being the person that the parent, the idea yeah. if, if disciple making is being done well, uh, these we're, we're raising people up to be our peers. Um, mm. 
to take yeah. on these responsibilities too. So I think that's that's great. Okay, yeah. a couple more questions for you. Here you go. Get, get into mm. the tough questions now. So Andy, earlier on, we were talking about this idea of uh, the mission being making disciples. Um, we talked about this idea of mission being holistic, not just about uh, giving the gospel message, but also addressing uh, the, the practical needs of you know people in their lives too. So, so how do you feel like Revive does a kind of bringing this idea of, of mission together? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm, I'll throw in something, another buzzword for us. And I would say that mission is also about transformation and even discipleship is about transformation. Now, this is something that we can get into on a different uh, podcast. Uh, but very quickly, transformation is about uh, re- the recovery of your true identity, of who you really are and why you were made. So you are God's child and you were made uh, for him. And also about restoring relationships as well. Transformation is about restoring relationships between uh, God, uh, with yourself, with others and with creation. And so everything that Revive does is based on either recovering uh, the child's identity or restoring their relationships. And this is all very interesting and we can get into this in a, in a different podcast, but I would say that uh, revised work and mission and discipleship should be one of transformation. Yeah. So uh, hard question number two <laughs> <laughs> of seven. No, no, last one. Um, so it was interesting. Um, I, I was reading a book um it's funny, I never know if to actually quote the book on here, just because, you know, you never know, you never oh, sure, like, is it a good book? I yeah. guess so, I guess so. I was reading this book, it was, it's called Saturate by a guy called Jeff uh, van der Stelt, and he's talking about being, basically being a disciple, what it means to be a disciple, looking at doing church differently and doing mission differently. Anyway, this is an interesting quote, and it kind of inspired me to ask you this question. But this was his quote. He said, Jesus didn't call us to merely make a decision for him. He doesn't need our vote of approval. He doesn't want deciders. He wants disciples. People mm. who are devoted to becoming more and more like him in everything every day. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of turn the question away from Revive and turn that question on you. How mm. how would you say this kind of and I, I being on mission has helped you become more Christ like? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, thanks, James. Um, hey. Wow, yeah, no. Um, I will go with another quote then. Um, an old Church Mission Society general secretary, uh, his name was John Taylor. And he said, Jesus is the great disturber. Jesus is the great disturber. And I really liked that phrase. Um, because when Jesus enters your life, he, he causes a holy mess, a real mess of everything. He challenges your uh, your misconceptions. He challenges your values, what you want in life. Um, and Jesus, he's been making, he's been disturbing my life and making a mess ever since I was a, I was a teenager. Um, but thankfully, through that kind of process and, and, and through Revive, um, it really has been a privilege and very humbling to see how God can can use you um, and I don't mean that in the sense of, oh, look how amazing, you know, we are or I am. And for any missionary, um, that's always a trouble uh, because, you know, when people ask you what you do and I say, oh, I live in Brazil and work with uh, kids who have been abused sexually and we look after them, rescue them, give them back into families. They're like, oh, my word, you're amazing. And it's very difficult to kind of not agree with them and say, actually, I am pretty amazing. <laughs> I am. This is all me. Well, that's why you have and, friends like me, Andy. Just to, yeah, you know, to keep me to keep me humble. And that say, is the, you're not. You're not. You're <laughs> ugly, and you you. I one. never say that. No, no. <laughs> Carry on. Sorry. But I think um, I think that is a real danger, and perhaps we can talk more about this in another podcast because this is also very interesting. Um, but this whole issue of of, of humility and. And sometimes people think it's arrogant to say that you're humble uh, because it's kind of like, oh, humility is one of my greatest qualities. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I think, you know, the work of Revive has kept us humble um, because, like you alluded to, um, there's not always happy endings. And it's usually a very messy process because life is messy. And so you're just trying to fumble around in, in the dark, <laughs> following where you think God is leading. 
so yeah, so 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 humility, and then also trying to think of 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 others. Um, the whole reason why Revive started was to work with uh, with others. Um, so I think those two things have been very uh, very key as we've as we've come through. And then again, just a, perhaps another just thing for us to finish on um, as we think about mission. Again, there's another John Taylor quote, which is why I just reminded me of it. Um, I think he said, mission is an adventure of the imagination. So mission is an adventure of the imagination. And so that just opens up lots of doors for us to think very creatively about how we do cross lakes and how we do cross those kind of boundaries to reach those people who need to hear about the love of God in a way that they can understand and in a way that they can engage with. Um, so that was very interesting as well. Yeah, that's a great quote. That's a great quote. So good, a good one to a good one to finish on. So and and we'll we'll talk more, uh, we'll talk more about revive. I'm sure. Um, yeah. As, as the weeks go on too, and and I think the the most quotable phrase today was in a later podcast from you today, Andy. I think you mentioned that <laughs> five or six times. So Sorry. we'll be doing this podcast in in 2025 at this rate. So. And we yeah, and we still wouldn't have got on to what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to uh, come and visit you in Brazil once the uh, current pandemic that we're in is over. Um, but Andy, I have to say um, that one of the things uh, that obviously uh, I, I have not mastered in my life is the the ability to speak a foreign language. Uh, and I know that um, you have uh, become fluent in Portuguese um, oftentimes forgetting the English words. Um, do you actually do you actually dream in in Portuguese now, or do you still dream in English? Uh, no, I think I, I think I do. There was always that was always the one of the people say that if you dream in a different language, that's a good sign that you're fluent. And so I used to say that you know years ago I used to say yeah well, I can dream in Portuguese. The trouble is is that I don't understand what. What one saying? <laughs> I dream in lots of languages. Then, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so, so Andy, I want to, you know, I want to hit the ground running uh, when I come. So, uh, I want to take this opportunity to, uh, for me and for for our listeners to uh, to, to learn some Portuguese. So, uh, so I, you've picked out a phrase for me to to learn for this week. Uh, I meant to ask Vance that I wanted a phrase that really. You know, it would make me sound like a like a local. Yeah, um, oh yeah. So, uh, so I'm gonna try and master. So, what is this phrase you have for me? Um, okay, well, I've and, and it better two. be. I, I want to establish this. This better not be an, because years ago, uh, this is for our Welsh for our Welsh listeners right now, okay. our, our hundreds of Welsh listeners. Uh, years ago, I had some Welsh friends that taught me a Welsh phrase, um, which was "Tinned Vic Valpeno Hippo." Which means you look like a hippo's backside. Um, so, so anyway, uh, so apologies for any Welsh listeners out there who are deeply offended by by that. But um, so yeah, I'm just well, hoping that this Portuguese phrase is not going to be uh, well. Uh, funny that funny that you mention hippo's backsides because the oh. Portuguese no. <laughs> no, so I've got I've got two I've got two quick phrases for you. Okay, so okay. you want to sound like a local. So yeah. usually when people come, they're kind of like saying hola, hola, you know, to say hello. But if you're a local, you're going to say beleza. Beleza. So beleza. So that, that literally means beauty. So if you Ooh. say, if you if you meet someone and you go beleza, it kind of means yeah, you're right, you're beauty, you know, how's it going? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good <laughs> one. So, so beleza, that's very easy. You've already learned. Like, yeah. But... So the Belize, next, that's what I just made me laugh. Like, hello, beauty. Like, I remember yeah. when we went to Newcastle, and I don't know if you experienced this too, but I remember living in the halls of residence, and um, we used to have the cleaning lady that would come around, and she would she'd open the door like you'd be in bed, and she'd come and clean the room around you. It was kind of weird, <laughs> um, but I remember the first time she opened the door, and I, you know, I, she was like, "Hello, lover." <laughs> you've got the wrong room <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that was kind of a common uh, newcastle phrase but anyway yeah. so basically the late belaza is Beleza. hello you beautiful beauty. you'd well, say that to, actually... i'd say no, that to you'd... you i'd say that you'd to another it. man 
you're not actually saying hello beautiful if you want chatter lines we can actually do a, okay. a, a I, whole I, thing I, of chat yeah so but it just it just it just means beauty but it's just a, a very informal way of saying hi to someone okay. so the laser you can say that to anybody man and girl everything I'm spelling this out phonetically for myself for the future. Here we go. Good. So, okay. Yeah, because but they, they will be they will be tests. Um, right, excellent. And then the next phrase, because this is a Christian podcast, and because Brazil's a very religious uh, religious country, you're going to say, this is the phrase, que Deus te abençoe, mano. Que Deus te abençoe, mano. Oh, you're and gonna have to slow that well down. So it sounds I, I, like you're saying I will slow it down. But it sounds like you're saying credential soy milk or something like that. <laughs> you're basically so. saying, "May God bless you, brother." So okay. That's what you're saying. You're saying, "May God bless you, brother." So it says, "Ki Deus, ki Deus, ki Deus, ki Deus, not ki Deus. Deus." You're having your Greek on you. Ki Deus, ki Deus, Deus. Okay, Deus. Okay. Yeah, ki Deus, T. T and then soy and then soy soy a ben soy a ben soy soy I'm gonna and say then, soy and then at the end soy. you say you say mano 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 which means that, brother what's what's it if it's sister oh, oh mana but you can just say mano it's okay oh just mano so, which yeah, okay. that's okay so here you go so I'd say oh, <coughs> <laughs> the laser ki deos ti abenzoi manu very good that's good yeah that's good very good yeah. oh, there you go. well, well, do, do, do i need to give you a phrase to learn oh i, I thought that was my phrase to learn oh, oh, have I just oh that, that, that is also a phrase to learn but i'm going to give yeah. you an english i'm going to give you an oh. english phrase and you're going to work out the portuguese and okay. come back and, and give me something okay okay all right yeah. so the english phrase i want you to to translate and and and, and give me next podcast is i really like you andy you're a great friend because i don't get a, i don't get uh, enough affirmation from you awesome okay andy well it's been been a pleasure we uh we survived our first podcast um so i look forward to chatting with you in a couple of weeks we're trying to we're trying to release these podcasts maybe every other week or every week if we're feeling industrious um <laughs> So and uh, yeah, we hope we hope people have enjoyed listening to us. And if they've made it this far, then um, then you guys well. have you guys have stamina. That's Thanks right. so much. They, they Thanks so much. They, they just yeah. have stamina. Yeah, well done. Well done. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore. Thank you.